hope is absolutely essential. When you have hope, there's excitement and joy and anticipation. When you have hope, there's, there's strength and expectation. All these things come together, but when there's no hope, you shrivel up. Uh, when, you are, when there's no hope, you curl up on the floor. When you have no hope, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. When you have no hope, there's discouragement and depression and you just kind of crumble under the pressure. Just think for a minute, compare a, a, a sick person who has hope of recovery versus a sick person who has no hope. The one is eager to do therapy. The one is eager to hear the doctors and take the medicine and do whatever is necessary so that they can get better. There's hope. But, but the one who has no hope just wants to stay in bed and maybe just wait for death. C consider someone who has a broken relationship. A person who has hope for a broken relationship is eager to figure things out, to work on things. Even though it's hard, even though it's painful, they're eager to work through it because there's hope that this relationship can be restored and their forgiveness can be had. But where there's no hope, there's canceling and cutting out and separation and aloneness. Hope is an absolutely necessary thing, but when I talk about hope today, briefly right now, I'm not so much talking about hope that. Hope that something will change. Hope that something will get better. Though that might be the case, I'm not talking about hope that, I'm talking about hope in. Hope in God, who has power above all power. Hope in God who has love beyond all love. Hope in God who has wisdom beyond all our imagination. Hope in a God who loves each of us personally. You are not just a number or a person in the pew to him. He, he knows and cares about you personally. So when we talk about hope that makes a difference, we're, not talk, we're talking about hope in our God. But I'm not here to talk about hope this morning, but what I am here to say is that hope matters because where there's hope, there's patience. We're hoping in God and so we wait for it. Where there's hope in God, there's, there's standing firm because we trust Him. Where, where there's hope in God, we persevere. We keep on keeping on because we hope in Him. And those are the things that James encourages us to have and to do and to be this morning. Let me read to you from James chapter 5. You can follow along on the screen. There's also a sermon note sheet you can follow along in a place for taking notes if you'd like. This is what James says. It's an exhortation, a command even. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed, blessed, those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
This is the word of our God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, James calls us to be patient, to stand firm, and to persevere. Grant us power from your Holy Spirit this morning that we would be patient and stand firm and persevere. Above all, help us to put our trust and our hope even more in you and your power and your love and your compassion toward us so that we wait for you patiently. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, let it all be pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To say that it's hard to be a farmer, and guys, you can throw up the first, you can click ahead one. To say that it's hard to be a farmer is, I think, an understatement. I can't say that I have any experience being a farmer, although I did think about being one once. My grandpa was giving up his farm. Those are actually pictures of my grandpa and his farm in the early days, right? I, I did think about being one, and I did get to spend a summer with my grandpa on his farm. <laughs> and and I, I'll, I could tell you all day about my grandpa Monta. He's somebody I want to be like when I grow up. He was the president of his church. He, as an old man, he learned how to play the organ. He taught Sunday school. And sure, his church was small, so he kind of had to wear a lot of hats, but, but that was just who he was. And he, he was a farmer, and he played baritone in the local marching band, and he, and he had a little, mar he'd march his grandkids around the farm in his little tractor with his baritone. It was a great time. I, I could tell you all day about my grandpa and how I want to be like him one day, but between my eighth, and my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year, I'm still not sure why my parents ever let me do this because I was going away for high school. They sent me, did they send me away after eighth grade to go spend a summer with my, my, my grandpa on the farm. And it was one of my favorite summers. We got up before the sun rose to get the cows out of their slumber into the barn so that, we could so that my grandpa could milk them. And while my grandpa was hooking, up, hooking them up to the milking machine, I was feeding them and cleaning up behind them. I always got the fun chores. And, and then we were up in the hay mow or putting the, the bales where they needed to be, running them, them up the elevator, trying to, to keep them from dropping on us as they fell into the hay mow. I, I think we spent more time fixing machinery than using machinery that summer. I, I just, I've come to understand that's kind of the way of the farmer. Like you fix more than you use. It's just, you, and you make machines work, right? You just, that's just what you do. I, I learned perseverance and, and patience from my grandpa. He, one of the things that, I, that still sticks in my mind is he decided he was going to grow an acre of asparagus. First of all, who likes asparagus? Okay, good. So you're excited about this story. Did you know that it takes three years before you get a crop of asparagus? So you plant it one year, you work on it another year, and then in, maybe in the third year you'll finally get a crop of asparagus. It's like fruit trees where you plant them and they grow up and you're like, where's the apples? Well, they don't come for a couple years. Or you have to wait for it. And, and isn't that what, part of what James is saying to us about patience? He says, be patient. Here's the first feeling. Be patient like a farmer. There are, and this word patience has this idea of waiting for a long time. 
There, there's a length of time that waiting has to take place for. So, so think about praying for a minute. You pray for a day, a week, a month, and a year, and, and maybe you feel like answers don't come. James says, be patient, play the long game, don't rush the process. Or, or maybe there's a, there's a rift between you and somebody else, something painful that's happened and you want that relationship to be restored and fixed, at least so you don't feel awkward around each other. And maybe you're working on it. Maybe you're working on yourself so that you can go to them in love. James says, be patient. Work on it. Be patient as you work toward reconciliation. Or, or parents, you think about your kids and you wonder when they're finally going to get it. When they're finally going to understand all these things you've been telling them all these years, like when are they, when is it finally going to sink in? Because you're waiting and you're working and it's hard and you're like, I've said this to you 17 times. You know, that's kind of the preacher's despair too. How many times do I have to tell you this before you finally get it? It's the preacher's despair. It's the parent's despair. It's the teacher's despair. I say this all the time in the classroom. When are they going to get it? Be patient, James says. Wait on the Lord. Pray. Work. It's hard. Be patient like a farmer. To say that it was hard to be a prophet, again, is probably not saying quite enough. Over this last year, many of you, some of you know, at least we've been, we've been, we walked through the story of Jeremiah, and I won't recap all of that because we spent a whole year doing it, and we don't, you guys want to see a baptism sometime today, and you also want to have lunch. But Jeremiah, to put it lightly, had a, ter a really tough ministry. He was thrown in a cistern, which is a big hole where they collected water. He was put in the stocks in the marketplace so everybody could laugh at him. He was rejected by the king. He was held in under house arrest. He, his, his prophecy that he wrote out for the king, the king cut it up and threw it in the fire. He was, he was arrested and, and taken into captivity, not to Babylon, but to Egypt, because people thought he was a traitor. Right, to say that Jeremiah, the prophet, had a really hard ministry is an understatement. And he's not the only, pro he's not the only one. All of the prophets, if you study the prophets, all, you study the apostles, all but one of them died a martyr's death. If you study those who preach and teach, none of them have it easy. All of them at some point find it difficult. But Jeremiah, what did he do? His entire ministry, he stood firm. Guys, you can throw this up. So what does James say to us? Be patient and stand firm because the Lord is near. Now this exhortation to stand firm has, has at least in my mind, a couple of different pictures. You, you could imagine like a house that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, a house that's built not on sand that blows under the wind, but a house that's, that's built on the rock, that has a foundation that no matter what comes, no matter what storms come, it's just, root, it's just grounded there. You can also think of a tree, the tree of Psalm 1, where the person who's in God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water. It's like, what, what is it that keeps a tree from blowing over in the wind? It's not the trunk. It's not the branches. It's the roots. Right, so stand firm has this idea of roots. Or maybe if you like a sports analogy, right, there's the tug of war thing. You just plant your heels and pull. 
where James calls us, be patient and stand firm. Because in the middle of the hard things, in the middle of that relationship that's hard, in the middle of teaching your kids, in the middle of teaching your students, in the middle of preaching to God's people, in the middle of whatever you're doing in life, it's hard. James says, be patient and stand firm. To say that Job struggled a little bit, I think you all know that that's not saying enough. Again, I won't recount all of Job's story, but it's enough to say that in one day, Job lost everything except his health, and in another day, he lost even his health. So everything was gone, and Job was all alone. It was so bad that even Job's wife turned against him, cursed God and died, she said. He, ha- he had some friends which I think were helpful for a minute. They just sat with him. You know how that's sometimes important where you, you don't need friends to say anything to you. You just need them to be with you. And they were for a minute until they started to talk and I wish they had just stopped. Because they said, Job, look, you, what did you do to deserve this? This is your fault somehow, which it wasn't, by the way. Job wanted to quit a couple of times. He wished to God that he had never been born. He brought his lament up to the Lord, but this is what Job never did. He never gave up on God. See, in his, in his discouragement and depression, he could have just crumbled up and died, but instead, what did he do? He brought it all up to God. Even when Job was angry and upset and lamenting, he still brought it up. He still turned to God. He persevered. James tells us to do that too, right? persevere. Keep on keeping on. That's the hardest part. It's perhaps easy, kind of easy to wait and, and it's good to, to be rooted and stand firm, but to keep on keeping on. In the face of difficulties, in the face of what's hard, when you're underneath something that's painful and hard, when you're in the middle of darkness, it's hard to keep on keeping on. But Job did. And James calls you to it. Persevere like the prophets. You know how Job persevered and what the Lord finally brought about is what he says. I don't know about you, but as I think about what's hard in life, I want to know how I can come out like gold in the end. I want to know how I can get from where I am now in the middle of whatever it is to where I'm like Job coming out like gold. That's, that's how Job's story ends up, you know. He came out like gold. Everything was restored. Children were given back to him. P- property and possessions and life and wealth was given back to him. Job's life was better after, more rich than it was before. He came out like gold. I want to know what the formula is, don't you? to get there. And, and it seems like a little bit like, Joe, like James is giving it to us. Persevere, be patient, and stand firm. It feels a little bit like there's an equal sign at the end. If you do that, you'll, this is what the Lord will bring about. That's what I want anyway. I want to know how to come out like gold in the end. Maybe before I get to that, I can give you one more way to bring all of these things together. 
I want to encourage you, and James does this too, I want to encourage you to be like Chinese bamboo. Chinese bamboo is, it's a really interesting plant. You, you plant it in the ground in year one. You cover it, you fertilize it, you water it, and nothing happens. Year two, you care for it, you nurture the soil around it, nothing happens. Year three, nothing happens. Year four, nothing happens. You know, you would at least like a little bit of a green shoot to start popping out of the ground. You know how that is? Like, okay, good, I planted something alive. You know, like you plant something in the spring, and you're like, oh, there's something green. Sweet. Nothing. Chinese bamboo, four years, nothing happens. And then year five, 80 feet in six weeks. You can almost watch this thing grow. It's two feet, two, three feet a day. Why? Because for the first four years, what is it doing? Roots sinking into the nutrients of the soil. And then it grows and sprouts. I want to be like that. I want to be fruitful like that. And I want to lay a challenge to you today. Two of them, actually. There are lots of things I could say about this, but for the sake of time, I'll say two things. I want to lay two challenges before you this morning. And the first one is this. Get in God's word and do it with other people. Sink the roots of your faith down into the word of God and just keep sinking them down. Don't worry so much about what's happening up here. Invest yourself in putting roots down here into the word, into the promises of God, into the life that God has given you to live and, and do it with other people. It's good to do it by yourself, but so important to do it with other people. And I want to give you an invitation this morning. There's a Q, put it on the screen. There's a QR code up there right now. I give you, get out your phones, sign up for connect groups because it's so important or do it later. It's okay. You don't have to do it now. Get in God's word and do it with other people. Because here's the thing about when you're alone, there's a whole sermon right here. When you're alone, the devil can get at you and you don't, and you miss things and you, you get discouraged. It's so easy to be in darkness when you're alone. But when you're with other people, you see things, you learn things, you hear things, you're taught things. You, the cobwebs are out of your eyes because other people can see things you can't and teach you things that you'll never tell yourself. So as we seek to sink down roots into the word, to be patient and persevere, to be like Chinese bamboo, put your roots down into the, into the ground, into the word, and do it with other people. And the second encouragement is this. The second challenge is this. Keep telling your kids. In just a little bit, probably a little bit longer than you all want, there's going to be a bunch of kids baptized. And parents, I know how hard it is to get your kids to church. I know how tired you are at the end of the day to, I, sh I know I should pray with them, but I just don't, go I just go to bed. I get it. I, I'm there. <laughs> 
It's patience, perseverance, standing firm, right? I know how hard it is to, to work on them with memory work when math seems so much more important. Math is important too. I know how hard it is to raise your kids to know the Lord. But let me challenge you. Keep telling them. Baptism is an awesome thing. It's a beginning and an end. It's an end because in those waters, through those waters, God washes sins away. He delivers them from death and welcomes them, you, into the kingdom of God. That's the promise of baptism. It's an end. God's work for you, in a sense, is done in that moment, and it's a beginning. Because what happens in baptism, it's a beginning of a new life with Jesus. It's a beginning of roots into Christ. It's a beginning of all those things we just talked about, living in Christ. So here's the second invitation. If you need a refresher or you don't know yet, here's another sign-up. Sign up for Christian Essentials. We don't have a date or a time yet, but in the new year, based on whoever's interested, we would love to start a class. We're just to, so you can know what, what does the Bible teach about this or that or the other thing. We, we would love to have you be a part of that because we want you to be like Chinese bamboo, with roots in Christ, with roots in his word, and then fruitful in your lives. But let me get back to the formula because I want to make it clear this morning that roots into Christ. Well, okay, let me clarify. Let me back up. Let me make it clear that your activity does not bring about God's action. Your activity does not bring about God's action. So, so just because you're patient and persevering and standing firm, that's not like a this plus this plus this equals this. Your activity does not bring about God's action. Think about the farmer. He plants his seeds. He puts in the ground. But who makes it grow? It is him. Right? He's patient. He waits. He perseveres. But ultimately, he just has to look up and say, God, can you send rain today, please? Can you move the clouds away today, please, so that there's sun for my plants? He waits for the rain. He waits for the sun. He waits for the, the harvest. He, all he does is wait. It's God who makes it grow. And, and Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah, but he had his dark moments too. He had a crisis of calling where he just said, God, I'm done. Can't do it anymore, God. Job had his crisis, moments where he's like, God, I wish I'd never been born. He had his moments of darkness. Do you know how they made it to the end? It wasn't their strength of inner character because they were weak, really weak. It was God's mercy and compassion. See, your activity, our activity, it matters. So, so be patient, stand firm, persevere. But understand that it's the Lord's mercy that brings about, that, that shows us God's ambition. Can you throw that up there, guys? God's mercy for you determines his ambition. The Lord, that's how James ends this whole section. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. It is God's character to love you. It's, it's who he is and it's what he does. With a love that's wide and deep and high, it's a love that, that causes him to come down. 
God didn't just say, well, let me send somebody to help them out. God said, I'm coming down to save them. And he didn't just come and live among us. He died for us and rose for us and, and ascended for us. His mercy does, determined everything about what, what God would do for you, his wisdom and his power that saves us through water and the word. It's God's mercy that determines that. And what is his ambition, his goal for you? To save you. To make you his. To wash you, your sins away. God's ambition for you is that you would come out like gold, that on the last day you would live with him and stand with him, shining brighter than gold as his dearly loved children with a crown of joy and glory on your head, a crown that he gave to you. It is God's greatest ambition that you would live with him, that all of us would be with him in heaven forever. It's God's ambition. So we have work to do. Amen? We have work to do. Be patient, stand firm, and persevere. But it is God who is full of compassion and mercy who will finally bring it about. The Lord our God is full of compassion and mercy. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.